Hey, listeners. This episode was recorded during the Writers Guild of America and SAG after a strike of 2023. While this podcast is a labor of love, shows like our dear Babylon 5 should not be. We believe that the creators of artwork like our favorite shows deserve to be fairly compensated for their work. Without their labor, shows like ours would not exist, and Jafar and I wouldn't have become friends. It's we true. stand with the labor. Yes, we do. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? This is a Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who've gotten to know each other while rewatching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And Jafar, yeah. I want to know about Star Trek Las Vegas. Tell me all about it. Yeah, I just got back. Unfortunately, you couldn't go this year, understandably, yeah. uh, with, you know, the baby. Right. The tiny uh, person. But yeah, uh, I went with Beth again, my partner. We went last year and met you for the first time in person. Yeah. I think we said that in pod last time. Yeah, we but, did. We did. Yeah. And it was a grand time again. I got to do a bunch of panels, which I always really enjoy. What got to do all kinds of stuff. They had a little Lego building contest this year. Um, oh, that's that was fun. fun. I did the Star Trek wines tasting again. Mm-hmm. Like we did. We did the Romulan ale last year. Right. This year, I got to try all the different Star Trek wines, and it was a good play because I went at the back third of it. And this is your pro tip, listener. If you're at the Star Trek wine tasting, don't show up till the back third because that's when they stop asking people to leave and start asking people to get back in a line to go through again so they can empty the bottles and go home. Uh-huh. <laughs> you heard it here. Pro tips. So I got loaded for free that night. It was a good time. I did. So last time we had gotten, you know, uh, well, actually you weren't drinking, but had a number of like $30 cocktails, $20 cocktails around Las Vegas on the strip. Mm-hmm. Not this year. No. Drove out to a grocery store day one. Well, Ubered because we didn't rent a car. Right. And bought a bunch of bottles of like Prosecco and Simply Peach and like a fifth of gin and some mixer and stuff and just rode that through five days. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Our booze budget was, I want to say, $60 for the weekend oh, is what nice. it ended up coming out to be. Uh huh. And it, I mean, you just you fill up your water bottle with tonic and gin and it looks like water and no one says shit and. Uh-huh. Throw a lime in there. No one's no one no one questions a lime in a water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so had a really good time with that. Went to the Pranica Cabanica and hung out with a bunch of friends of DeSoto, which are listeners of the Greatest Generation podcast, uh, mm-hmm. of which Adam guested on. Well, I, the episode aired two ago. weeks ago, but for yeah. us it was a month and a half ago. We recorded right. that episode. <laughs> so got to chill with him and Ben in person for a bit, which was fun. And a handful of our other friends that we've made at that convention that we both met last year. Shout out Jake and Rizzo and Bree. Yeah. And everyone. It was a lot of fun hanging out with everyone. Everyone in the Discord as well. 
So that was a grand old time. Yeah. It was interesting. I went not knowing as many people there ahead of time as last year. So Mm -hmm. it kind of put me in the position to make new friends and be a little bit more social with like my neighbors and our assigned seating at the panels and stuff. I think I think last year there was still a little bit of like pandemic hesitation from people Mm -hmm. and there weren't quite as many. And maybe people didn't come because it wasn't at the Rio. I don't know. But I will say like more this year. I thought Bally's was kind of a trashy hotel when we had Uh stayed there last year for it. Yeah. The Rio is significantly worse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I look forward to that next year. (laughs) Yeah. The pillows are miserable. I'm I'm legit bringing like an extra bag just to have for pillows pillows next time noted that's important to me pillows are important yeah (laughs) i I might not if i didn't have status (laughs) if my bag wasn't free i might not bother but because it is i definitely am yeah well thank you for all the pictures and every story you put in our group chat you know i wondered if i was gonna feel a little like jealous of not being at Star Trek Las Vegas this year mm-hmm. and like I was going to feel sad when I saw stuff but I didn't <laughs> I was really happy to see it and happy to see my friends having fun and it just felt like included when you guys thought of me and sent me something so thanks I appreciate yeah, it Yeah, that little group chat the USS Vicarious uh, was, yeah. a, was a highlight of the con for me as well because you guys weren't there and you know and Ben was in that group chat as well he wasn't there and next year though we're getting a big group section and we're all going to sit Can't next wait. to each other and shoot the shit during yes. the panels. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to be the hecklers. We can oh, sit there and Oh, I mean, yeah, if they bother <laughs> bringing Beltran back, we'll let them know how we feel. <laughs> Just sit there in MST3K, a Star Trek convention. Yeah. <laughs> Please, let's do that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we have more to do, Jafar. I think we need to uh, try to design an episode of Babylon 5 today. Yeah, it's time for some plot poker. Hello. Oh, I deal myself in. Yeah, which means I need to open up some cards. I got four packs of Great War, and then I snuck into our next box and grabbed one of Shattered Dreams, which will be the next expansion we do, should anyone actually follow this game and know or care about that. Yeah, my Great Wars have really been duds, I think. Oh, but I got another Zathras just now. We should Hell yeah. We should go through all of our Zathrai at the end of this. <laughs> See how many Zathrai we ended up with different yeah. ones. Yeah, do we have the full set? You said there's like what is it? Is it seven different ones? I think so. Yeah. However many letters are in his name, there's one with an apostrophe in every different place, but they're spread yeah. out over several sets. Yeah. Oh, I got altruism. That's a good card. And I was looking at our list of what we've what cards we've had, possibly mm-hmm. non-exhaustive. I'm not totally sure if this is everything, but it was like, if we if we put a Zathras in every possible scenario, I think we've only used him in character so far. Okay. But he could also be a problem, a solution, and a twist. Oh, you, yeah, we should explain the, the oh, game Oh, yeah, again. how the game works while we're going through these packs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got Veer looking at Mr. Morden's head on a pike. The name of the card is Let Us Stray No More. Yeah, so how this works is we open up a handful of packs here and we divvy them up into four different possible piles of cards. We've got kind of like characters or like P 
people, things going on, arriving on the station or doing stuff on the station. Uh, we have problems, we have solutions, and then we have twists. And so we'll draw one of these at random each to form the A pot and B plot of an episode of Babylon 5, which we will then rate on a scale of Babylon's 1 to 5, as is our prerogative. I got one called Machiavellian Politics. Ooh, I got Mutai Exhibition. I'm going to put that in solutions because that's I got a hilarious. whole bunch of like unnamed characters in this one. <laughs> All, all that have na- names now on the cards, but I cannot pronounce them to save my life. Oh, Lando Malari, right on the top there. Oh, nice. I don't think we've used Lando yet. It's like his OG card, too. He hasn't ambassador. been used as a character. It looks like he's come up as a problem, perhaps. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like my Great War box was just not as good as the previous two boxes. I feel like my shadows box was full of bangers. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go with what I got. And we'll see. And we'll be glad that real shows have real writers and not randomized card games that choose their plot details. If that wasn't what the strike was all about, I'd say it'd be fun to put our elements into an AI and see what it writes about it. But I think that AI figures a little bit into that strike and I don't want to cross that line. So I'm the A-plot. Let's see what I get. Okay, our episode is going to open with Minister Verini. So I believe he was the minister that Londo was talking to shortly after Rifa, or not Rifa, shortly after Cartagia died. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy who took over when Londo pieced back to Babylon 5. He's the one who's like all past. No, no, no. That's that's minister. I got him here too. Verano. Oh, is the one who took over. Verini is like the one who was security kind of guy, I think. Maybe? Oh, OK. Or or maybe he's the guy that. Oh, man, we're just really messing it up here. I think he's the guy that came to evaluate between Cartagena <laughs> and Rifa, actually. OK. I don't know if you can see his little picture there. But... Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Cartagena and Rifa minister. They're, these Centauri have too many ministers. This is the problem. <laughs> so Minister Verini is visiting Babylon 5. When there is an accident, some kind of explosion, according to this card. And the solution to the accident is our favorite guy. Yeah. Zathras. Zathras. (laughs) So maybe Zathras comes up from Epsilon 3. Drawl is really worried about this accident that could, you know, maybe it's going to (laughs) destabilize Babylon 5 and it's going to crash into Epsilon 3. (laughs) <laughs> and so he sends up Zathras on a shuttle to fix the things that are yeah. broken. Just handle the, the spinny things. I don't know, you know. <laughs> and uh, the twist at the end is there's a glitch. Oh, and no. So there is something that could come up in a further episode because there's a glitch in the system that Zathras maybe didn't fix at all. Maybe and, he, uh, yeah, he fixed it too good and brought that AI back. Yeah, so there's something that's still on the board for maybe later in the season or Ooh. next season. Right. Okay, well, what's our B-plot then? I got a real bummer of a B-plot. Oh, no. <laughs> this uh, is a heavy episode then. It's a he- This is a heavy episode. So the B-plot involves the Anlashok, so the Rangers. Okay. 
group of Mimbari rangers, specifically based off the card it specifies. Okay. Um, and they are running around and they find a Vorlon planet killer. Goodness. <laughs> and so they have to figure out how to handle this. I assume this is after the Vorlons are left. This is like an abandoned planet killer that was damaged or something. Uh-huh. And they're just like, well, this can't be around. Like, no one can fuck around with this thing. And the solution to this problem is altruism. Oh, no. So this group of rangers pilots their white star up against the cores of the planet killer. There's like a big hole in it or something. And they go and they fly in to get next to it. And Mm -hmm. they self-destruct their white star in an act of altruism to destroy this planet killer so that no one can grab it and learn its secrets. Yeah, that is heavy. And the, the twist is the rebirth ceremony. The okay. Mimbari one from a uh, big change. And uh-huh. the the last time we saw this, it was the command crew getting their new uniforms. And the previous time was at the start of the station. So the big change here is accepting that they're really in the third age and starting to take stewardship of the galaxy and what that means. Mm-hmm. And the rangers uh, slightly alter their symbol or something. They put a little, like, thing on the gem to remember the sacrifice of those who uh, died to get them to the Third Age. Okay. Yeah. This is a intense episode with lots of fireworks. Yeah. Lots of CGI. This, this budget mm-hmm. is well out of hand for Babylon 5. They could not afford the sci-fi this budget (laughs) they can't afford this episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. well okay lots of pyrotechnics how would we rate this episode on the scales of one to five babylons i feel like i like this episode yeah i I do too i think this is a really good episode i'm gonna go ahead and give this a babylon four out of five yeah i agree i think that i'm really grateful that Zathras and Altruism did not show up together because it would be <laughs> terribly sad to lose a Zathras. Yeah. There's only eight left where we're at right now. Well, we can mark off another square for Zathras. Mm-hmm. He has now been in two. And that's what this show always needs more of. More Zathras. Yep. Okay. Well, you know what this episode has a distinct lack of? Zathrai. Yeah. It's a it's a shame. It does have rumors, bargains, and lies, though. And in spades, I would say. For sure. Season four, episode 13, Rumors, Bargains, and Lies. <laughs> Title's really on the nose, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we open on the senior staff getting breakfast. Has Sheridan is just, like, there. Like, he's got a plate yeah. in front of him. Mm-hmm. Half-eaten, presumably. He's ignoring that plate for the most part. And he's taken up most of his table and chairs to put his feet up. Like, there's mm-hmm. not enough room for the rest of the senior staff to sit with him, so they take a table next to him. Yeah. And just sort of talk in his direction. Yeah. Zach comments on getting the Centauri and Narn to agree, and they discuss until Franklin notes that it feels like they are constantly starting over, which causes Sheridan to laugh. Sheridan is super aggro here. Like, yeah. can you imagine <laughs> you're at work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your boss 
and all of your boss's peers are sitting at a table and your their boss is at a table across from them sitting in silence as they're having a conversation until he busts out laughing, starts banging on the table and starts shouting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't imagine this. I work with bankers. <laughs> oh my God. I hope you've got better HR than Babylon 5 because this is a moment where they really need that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing lots of, lots of uh, big moves here. Mm-hmm. Big motions. Yeah. He's uh, trying to frighten the bear, as it were. Mm-hmm. Make it run away. I love that he's sitting there thinking, and it's just all over his face. Every mm-hmm. thought that he's having, he's having a, a visible reaction to. Because that's definitely mm-hmm. a state of being that I identify with. <laughs> like, I know that I have been in my office and spoken out loud. I'll buy to I'll all to myself loud enough for others to wonder what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm sure I have banged on a table at some point, but not in front of people. Does that make it better? I don't know. (laughs) It definitely does make it better. (laughs) Yeah. But Sheridan's formulating an idea here of how he's going to get the other races to do what he wants them to do. Yeah. He's marinating on something. Yeah. But meanwhile, Delenn and Lanier are headed home on the White Star, mm-hmm. and they are concerned that civil war has broken out on Minbar. Yeah, we get civil war to theme. Mm. And when we get back, uh, Delenn and Lanier are in a conference room. Delenn reminisces about her childhood in Yador, which is the name of the capital city, which they don't say in this episode and haven't said yet in the show. So don't yeah. don't think you're crazy I, for not knowing it. Yeah, I certainly didn't. I want to call something out here in this scene yeah. before we get too far. Did you notice that in this episode we get the best possible guest actor named name and named role? No. We have a guy whose name is Guy Sinner. Who is religious number one? <laughs> Guy Sinner. Religious number one. Uh-huh. I saw that. And I was like, oh, that is just chef's kiss. Perfect. That's great. <laughs> Delenn is having a reckoning with her personal culpability in causing the civil war. Mm-hmm. And Lanier tries to reassure her with prophecies. And she's like, bitch, we knew Valen. <laughs> yeah. And he only knew that that was going to happen because he saw me do it. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe if I hadn't done it, it wouldn't have been a prophecy. Like, time travel's weird, guys. The future is the past. The past is the future. It all gives me a headache. Lanier is like, it was going to happen anyways. And uh, what my theory here presupposes is that Sinclair saw the writing on the wall of the Civil War, having spent significantly more time on Mimbar than Delenn in the last few years. Mm, yeah, he's a little more plugged in at home. Yeah. Yeah, good point, good point. I was wondering when she talked about thinking about her city in flames, do crystals burn? <laughs> Depends on what they're crystal nice. of. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. I would hope that the crystals that we built those buildings out of 
is maybe the non-flammable crystals, but I guess not. You know? They weren't really worried about that on Mimbar. Mm-hmm. Peace right, because Mimbari don't kill Mimbari, yeah. right, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. Delenn asks Lanier to reach out to Naroon to try and work this shit out. Londo and Sheridan talk about keeping the White Stars a secret, and Londo doesn't get it, just like Country <laughs> Western or Repo and Zooty. Uh-huh. Sheridan tells Lando to trust him. Like, Sheridan can't just say, how do you not understand I'm doing something sneaky? <laughs> right. If anybody understands something sneaky, it should be Londo, yeah, it's right? It's like, just, hey, no, I'm, I'm pulling a thing. This will be great. We will come together. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a thing. Did you notice that Londo's quarters look like they got a nice upgrade? Yeah. They, they look fancy in the background. I wonder where that came, budget came from slash what happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's being sent back to Babylon 5 after, like, deposing the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> moving his way up in the ranks. So maybe he's got more rent money. Oh, I meant the show's budget. <laughs> I know. I, I was just trying to give an in-world, like, explanation. But yeah. Do you think it's just <laughs> a redress of his from. room on Centauri Prime and that they didn't have time to finish it? Could be, because it is definitely bigger, too, than, like, the quarter sets we've yeah. seen. Like, it seems bigger. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but nice glow up. Back with the Mimbari, everyone from the Religious and Warrior casts are lining up like the sharks and the jets. Well, I want to talk about the composition of this shot. Yeah, that's... Because... Mark the calendars. <laughs> <laughs> Very granular here for me. We're lining up like two gangs, right? Mm-hmm. Nerun stays behind his gang. Delenn becomes in front of her gang. Yes. I feel like this is an unspoken commentary on how those who purport to be strong project themselves as aggressive and the warriors mm-hmm. are actually scared little boys. Mm. You think? Yeah, like we could throw three bottles in Delenn's hand here so she could just clink them together. <laughs> Warrior cast, come out and play. Yay. <laughs> yeah, like she is, she's ready to be in front of her people. She's ready to mm-hmm. do this. She's ready to and scrap. Nerun, and Narun is, is hiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. I think somebody was thinking. I think the director was thinking about this shot. I would believe that 100% based off of every episode of the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a good call out for sure. Um, the way this is put together is it is a notable difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it puts a distinction, even more distinction between her style of leadership and Nehru's style of leadership. Mm-hmm. And it's also a statement on how Delenn sees things. Because as mm-hmm. we go through this episode, she thinks the only thing standing between her and Narun being able to have a peaceful conversation is the warrior cast. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't realize yeah. that the religious cast is also a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even by the end, she still has no idea. Yeah. They go off to have a private talk, though. Mm-hmm. Basically, Delenn is still of the opinion that neither side should win this civil war conflict. They need to, the Mimbari society needs to stay in balance. Mm-hmm. And if either side wins, then they're not going to be in balance anymore. She and Nehrun kind of come to an uneasy 
truce together and he agrees to hear her out, mm-hmm. give her a chance and support her. Yeah. After this, the Drazi ambassador is worried about what Sheridan isn't telling them. Sheridan is just trying to hide a shit-eating grin this whole scene. Like, mm-hmm. Bruce, you did an excellent job with the the micro expressions and the acting in this mm-hmm. scene. Well done. It's perfect. You did good. It's very good. Yeah. He orders Marcus to blow up some asteroids, then head home. And Ivanova's like, are you all right? This is weird. And he just laughs to himself. And there is no reason he can't explain this to her except to be a smug asshole. That is the Mm -hmm. only reason. The plan is still going to work if she knows about it. There's no like logistical reason to leave her out of it. He just wants to feel superior. (laughs) Exactly. And it's even shittier because Mm -hmm. he clearly tells Franklin what's going on in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Especially because Franklin also has the shit-eating grin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Franklin clearly knows what up. And for him to not tell Ivanova, and then explicitly to not tell Ivanova so that he can go tell Franklin, is shitty. Yeah. Before that, though, Justice we get Londo. <laughs> Before that, we get Londo being a little racist <laughs> and hyper-masculine. Mm-hmm. While talking to the Drazi ambassador in his quarters. I have that exact racist Lando call out in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? we don't need to bring facial features into this Lando. Right. Or male anatomy. <laughs> it is not a good look. It could not have been a good look in 1997, and it is an even worse look now. Yeah. But he is, you know, like a known genocider, so yeah. I'm not really and worried about redeeming him. But yeah, at the same time, like, tone it the fuck down, guy. Yeah. He insults the Drazi ambassador's eyes, brings up his massive male anatomy, mm-hmm. tentacles, wonderful. Uh, testiculates. <laughs> testiculates. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and follows Sheridan's game of refusing to explain what the White Star Fleet is and why it's on the edge of Centauri space. Yeah, Lando denies everything here. I, I plead the fifth. As the Drazi ambassador leaves Lando's quarters, we see him meeting with a bunch of other League ambassadors outside of Lando's, and he confirms something is up as Franklin asks them all for blood bank backups, just in case. He then walks mm-hmm. away with a casual, I'll see you later, probably. Clearly yeah. playing his hand that he's in on it. This is not creepy at all. <laughs> to have... Uh, the doctor requesting more blood for reasons. Just more blood. <laughs> a bunch of religious cast Mimbari are uh, gathered up to discuss to make sure that they stop the Len from surrendering. And so they're talking about a mutiny here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's an interesting note here. Um, they talk about the warrior cast looks down on the religious cast because of the surrender. And that they haven't gotten past that. So mm-hmm. does this confirm that the warrior cast did not partake in the Shadow War? We know the religious oh, cast was question. the main driving Mimbari force there. And they're on all the white stars. Uh-huh. Um, well, and they had some of the cruisers too, didn't they? Yeah. So if mm. the warrior cast is still just giving the religious cast shit about the war previous, 
having sat out this one, are they completely wow. misunderstanding the status of the religious caste right now? Because they're literally an active military coming fresh uh-huh. off of a victory in a huge war. Yeah. With super advanced technology. <laughs> yeah. But they've lost ships. I mean. Yeah. They've, maybe they are down some equipment. They lost ships to the Shadows and the Vorlons, though. Yeah. Not yeah. to a Mimbari cruiser. The White Stars mm-hmm. are years ahead of anything the Warrior cast has got. Mm-hmm. It just makes me wonder if, like, the Warrior cast is talking a lot of shit and Delenn's back here with, like, a ton of White Stars and is just like, look, we're going to do this peacefully. But if there's, like, a backup plan where that doesn't go down and the room doesn't mm-hmm. agree... And the white stars just come in and wreck everything. Yeah. They have to be in a a militarily superior position than the warrior cast right now. Yeah. But she doesn't want to use that. No. She does not want to win. She does not believe that the religious cast should do that if they can avoid it, Mm -hmm. I think. I think that these religious Mimbari have apparently never heard what happens when you assume. Right. Yeah. They decide they're going to go for martyrdom. Martyrdom is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. We They overheard like one wrong part mm. of her conversation with Nehrun. The part where she says the religious caste cannot win. Yeah. They didn't hear the rest of it. No. <laughs> and uh, the answer is to just kill everyone. Yep. Over at MSNBC Studio, Sheridan tells Ivanova to mention that Nothing happened in sector 83 by 9 by 12. Yeah, nothing. Just nothing happened. You're not lying. Nothing happened there. It's like, yes, I checked. Nothing happened there. It's like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just say nothing happened there. Yeah, Ivanova says, like, we don't want to plant stories. We don't want to be propaganda. We don't want to be that. We want to be better than the people we're against. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sheridan says, well, it's not wrong. Yeah. It's not untrue. It's not a lie. But I don't know. I'm really on Ivanova's side here. Same. I don't like this look. No, it's not a good look. Yeah. I mean, we can save that for the end. Maybe we, we discuss this at the end of the episode. But <laughs> I don't like it. She does tell us, though, that three quarters of Clark's cabinet resigned over the protest. Yeah, over martial and, law. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, not everything is as lockstep as it seems back home. The more that they reach out, the more they find that. Mm-hmm. She does make the broadcast, though, and this does get the League further worked up. I love it when a plan comes together. The non-aligned ambassadors get all excited over this possibly invisible enemy because they've been to Sector 83 and they can see that something's been blowed up. They can't detect what it was. And they are all to the point of, like, scattering in the Zocalo. Mm-hmm. They're so concerned. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that they're not, like wrong to be concerned about an invisible enemy right because we just had the shadows who were shown all over babylon 5 sometimes invisible casually invisible yeah invisible aliens are like a going concern (laughs) in this universe a warrior cast goon gets darun with the denbok as the religious cast actually fucking listens to delen for 30 seconds and realizes that they made a big mistake big whoopsie doodle she says the exact right things to chastise them without saying it. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. As Lanier is in whatever the fuck their Jeffrey tubes are called. I don't... Yeah. 
I call it a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the Star Trek term. And it's a reference to like one of the art designers or set designers on the original series, I think. Oh, cute. That's why they're called Jeffrey's tubes. So they definitely <laughs> have no in-universe reason to be called that in Babylon 5. But y'all knew what I meant. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, he finds the the poison canister. Mm-hmm. He gets some clutch last words in here as he collapses, just in yeah. case. I hope I have the wherewithal to just get some bomb last words in. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say them all. Nehrun has his personal physician care for Lanier, mm-hmm. and he notes that he means a lot to Delenn. Yeah. Like, he's a great friend. Yeah. He's... Delenn finally that... puts to words what Lanier means to her here. Uh, fitting that he isn't there to hear it. Narun speaks well of Delenn for the first time as well, and the bridge yeah. between them is now being built on both sides. Oh, how nice. Yeah. The League argues until Sheridan rolls in late, then everything goes mm-hmm. perfect. They demand the protection of the Rangers, they grant them the authority to do their jobs, they even agree to support the Rangers in larger conflicts. Everything's coming up Millhouse! Yeah, they've played right into his hands. Yep, exactly what he wants. Yeah, all the the things that he struggled for during the Shadow War, getting everyone to come together, he's just managed to pull it off this time. Mm-hmm. He uh, he walks away, you know, with the the mask still on his face, looking concerned and like he's been beaten. Mm-hmm. Walks into the elevator and loudly yells, "Yes!" <laughs> so we know he's gotten what he wants. Yeah. Over on the White Star, Lanier is recovering, is awake, and lies to protect Delenn from the truth. She lives in a world where we are all better than we are, and he would do anything to protect that world. Yeah. I I like that we established in season two that uh, Minbari could lie to save face for another, and that's what he's doing here Mm -hmm. for the other religious cast. You know, he says it definitely wasn't sabotage. Yeah. And definitely not the warrior cast. Yeah. Which is true. But she does not consider that it could have been her own people at all. We got a Voice of the Resistance broadcast that lets everyone, but Sheridan specifically, know that the fighting is broken out on Minbar. Mm-hmm. And also lets Delenn know specifically that we wish her well. Mm-hmm. Lanier wakes up, sees Narun, follows him and sees him peace out. As Narun gets on a shuttle and lets his uh, boss, Pierre, it's got to be Pierre. Yeah. Know about Maybe. a religious cast counterattack that no one in this episode talked about. Yeah, that's that's what is giving me the big wonders. Like, hmm. is he, did he do something off screen that we didn't see and get some intel? I read some use note stuff. And apparently there were a handful of people super upset about Narun betraying Delenn here. Uh-huh. Well, I felt that way. On my first watch through, I was like, this bastard. But then I, we, I came back to it a second time and I thought, well, but is he? <laughs> well, the thing that he he's telling on the religious cast for, as far as we uh-huh. know, isn't true. Yeah, yeah. It didn't happen on screen. It would have had to have been an off-screen thing. Well, we'll find out about Naroon next episode and what's going on there. But before then, Laura, how'd you feel about this one? 
rate this episode for me if you would on a scale of Babylon's one to Babylon five. I gotta give this one two and a half Babylons. Really? Yeah, I don't like it that much. It and a lot of it is the bad feelings that it gives me. But th- for practical standpoint, it's a lot of telling versus showing with mm-hmm. the situation on Mimbar. We get like a one CGI shot of the Crystal City with some f- smoke in the background. And some berobed people running about. But we haven't really seen much conflict and, and strife on Minbar that would make me worried. Like, I feel like you could almost fix this with one little scene before we see Delenn and Lanier on the White Star. Mm-hmm. Where Delenn, like, gets a call from somebody. And there's, like, clear chaos or destruction in the background. And they're asking for her help. Yeah. But... Instead, we're just kind of told things on Minbar are bad. I think that is a cultural difference. I think that Minbari infighting is so rare that Uh something that we might even consider a borderline peaceful protest Uh is civil war for them. Yeah. Okay. Could be. I think that's just their, their culture compared to ours. That, you know, fighting, breaking out, in the city could be a handful of limited incidents to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. And that might still qualify as a cast civil war to the Mimbari people. Well, I still feel like somebody calling for help would do more to establish the conflict rather than just everybody telling me there's conflict. Fair. I also don't like the big patriarchy vibes I get from Sheridan in this episode Mm. where he's manipulating people he is and, the worst you know, part about this episode. Because he's our captain and he's our good guy, we're supposed to just trust him. Yeah. And that's a very like patriarchy thing feeling that it brings up in me like, oh, they're men and they're in power, so we're just supposed to trust it. And No, I'm 100% on board no, there. No, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> if he had been level with Ivanova and not lied to her to be a smug mm-hmm. asshole and then gone and told Franklin... I might feel differently about it, but that's not what yeah. happens. It's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. This episode, he lies. He, he is the most unsheridan mm-hmm. we've ever seen him in this episode. Well, <laughs> we did see him like beating up Morden. Yeah. <laughs> without due process, but oh, we've had his a cab moments for sure, but this is outright mm-hmm. misinformation campaign to manipulate mm-hmm. a group of political powers into doing what he thinks is best for them, taking away right. their call in their best interest by making them believe yeah. that there's a giant threat. It is antithetical to how his character behaves most of the time. Yeah, and just because we, the watchers, know that, yeah, there actually is a threat out there, it doesn't make it better for me. Yeah. It doesn't. Just be honest with them, maybe. And if they choose to be stubborn about their defense, then that's them doing their thing for their people. But even Mm -hmm. the League of Non-Aligned Worlds calls it out where it's just like, we're still beaten up from the Shadow War. Like, you need to help us defend ourselves until we can rebuild. That's all Mm -hmm. they ask for. They don't want long-term protection from the Rangers. Right. Nor should they. They're sovereign nations. They want to protect themselves. That's what makes them sovereign nations. (laughs) You're right, right. This is a very slippery slope that Sheridan is on. I don't like that. That makes me feel bad. For sure. And then the pacing is just a little, 
Everything with the Mimbari is happening kind of fast, and I'm not seeing a lot of it. So that's see, I think me I really liked bit. all the Mimbari stuff this episode. And yeah. just to throw a number okay. on it, I'm giving it a three five. Okay. Which I think might be the biggest discrepancy we've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We've we've been a you know you've been on the fuck this episode scale when I've been on yeah, but that's a separate scale. scale. So it's not a zero. Yeah. It's a non-rating. Right. Um. <laughs> It's just like we see so much in that. Well, one, Mira acts the hell out of this fucking episode. Oh, for sure. For just throws no this thing on her fucking back and carries you through it. It is interesting to see her, to see her view of the world put so plainly what makes her different than other Mimbari, what makes her Ducat's chosen, you know, all of these things to be stated plainly. And then also shown to us, you know, mm-hmm. to see the descent that could exist until they realize the person that they're actually interacting with. I loved all that stuff. Lanier just fucking heroes out and is willing to throw his life down to save everyone. Yeah. Which is great. And this is the second time he's heroed out and done that. Yeah. When he pushed Londo out of the way. And I think it happens a third time. <laughs> Spoilers. Like it's yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah, it's just like I really enjoyed all that stuff. I enjoyed the subtle politicking with Naroon and Delenn trying mm-hmm. to come at things from such different perspectives. Delenn admits she's fucking wrong. You know, she was wrong to do certain things to see her regrets mm-hmm. and everything. And then the only redeemable part about Sheridan this episode is to see mm-hmm. how quickly he becomes an asshole when she's gone and how much of a better person she makes him. Yeah, yeah. He needs that. He does, for sure. He needs someone to keep him in fucking line because it's not going to be any of his subordinates on the station. And he's definitely playing into Garibaldi's critique of you are playing God. Do you think Sheridan acts like this if Garibaldi is still on senior staff right now? Even with oh, the Lynn gone. I... And they've had the, you know, fight, the conversation about you're playing yeah. God. I think he can't, right? Because yeah. the criticism is right there looking him in the face. Yeah. If he remembers that at all, he's got to, like, tamp it down a little bit. For sure. And explain himself a little more. Because Garibaldi was pushing back on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot. Obviously, he walked away. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think you can't be this asshole if Garibaldi's there. Yeah. Or this is the point when Garibaldi walks away. For sure. All right. Well, speaking of Garibaldi walking away being a moment of transition, next Mm -hmm. week we have season four, episode 14, Moments of Transition. Delenn must make the ultimate sacrifice for her cast. Lita considers rejoining the Psychor. A hideous act by Earth's government motivates Sheridan. Wow, that's a lot of things. It's a big episode. I think we have something special for this episode, too. We do. Scott from Grey 17's joining us next week. Yeah. I'm excited. He got to be with us for the turkey of an episode, and now he gets to come back for a good one of his choice. Yeah, he did ask for this one. We When we did Grey 17, we kind of was all like, hey, so Grey 17, you know, because that's the name of your podcast. Mm-hmm. And so he accepted... I don't. I wouldn't say begrudgingly. Uh, he might. Feel free to correct me next week. <laughs> but 
it'll be nice to have him on a more critical episode of the series arc as well. Yeah, it'd be very enjoyable. And we have more exciting guests in the back half of the season. So yeah, we have a Yum Yum podcast is going to join us. Ben's going to be back in another couple of weeks as well. Dominion Media Television will make one more appearance this season. Fantastic. It'll be another three in this back half of season four. So we'll have six guest spots in 12 episodes or something. Just crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So much fun, though. Looking forward to it. Yeah. What I'm looking forward to is everyone's journey of self-discovery through music when they go Mm -hmm. on Spotify or their streamer of choice and listen to Nuclear Jaguar, which you can do. And we'll say again, thanks to Jeremy Siegel for our lovely theme music. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thanks, Aaron, for editing our podcast and making sure that it comes out on time. Having just been on vacation and having not to edit podcast was fucking excellent. So I really appreciate (laughs) you doing that for me at that time. And thank you to you, the listener, for being here and joining us on our Babylon 5 journey. Really appreciate it. You choosing to spend an hour with Laura and I as we talk about Babylon 5. Go ahead and join our Discord. Shoot us an email. Whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. We're on X now. Twitter renamed itself. They're called Mm. Zeets now or something. I don't know. Are they? Elon Musk is about to get the shit beat out of him by Mark Zuckerberg, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's the only time in my life I've rooted for Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of Mark Zuckerberg, we are on Facebook as well. You can find us there. But really, the Discord is where all the chill hangs are happening. So, you know, email us if you need help getting that Discord and we will get you set up. For sure. Yeah, you can find that link all over the place. And if you, yeah, just get there. It's great stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week for Moments of Transition, Internet. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.